Amen and amen. Matthew 24 and verse 14. Can we just release a blessing over Pastor Brian? He is 41 today. He's my son. And God's done a deep work inside of him. Come on. We bless you, Pastor Brian. From the crown of your head, son, to the soles of your feet. He's a son in whom we are well pleased. And his best days are now. It's not to come, it's now. Amen. God released the word. Last year he came to me and said, Dad, remember you said at the age of 40, 40 is the number of probation. And I prophesied and I said to him, your probation's over, son. And in one year, you will hear the testimony of what God has done already. You will hear about it. You will hear that the kingdom is real. It is real. Because when God's got your heart, he can shift you anywhere on the board. He can make you whatever he wants because your heart is for the king. That's the title of my sermon this morning. A heart for the king. A heart for the king. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. It's the gospel is preached into all the world. That is not earth. World has got to do with systems. Controlling systems. Banking system is a controlling system. Education systems are controlling systems. This message must be preached to those systems and cripple those systems so the people can live under a different system. For God so loved the earth. Come on, awake this morning. For God so loved the world. He died to cripple the enemy's system of control. That's what the kingdom's all about. So when you come into the kingdom of God, the first aid God, not just getting saved, is going to send you into one of the systems. They are in the media mountain. And the kingdom has gone in there to go and cripple the system that has controlled the people. You're very quiet. He's like, is this for real? Yes, that's kingdom. Because the kingdom's got to do with territory. So when God sets you up, he moves you into not just getting saved in the house. He moves you either into the education system or he brings you into media or science and technology and government and business or um, whatever system. There are seven mountains. But more than that, there are different systems in it that when you get into the system, God's going to use you in that world to cripple it. And to bring kingdom influence into that place. That's kingdom because we're not looking for an, a leader for the organization. We are an organization of leaders. And everyone has got an assignment. And so every one of them, need to go, you need to go into one of these mountains. And you need to become the influencer with no compromise. That means you climb the mountain without having to compromise to, with anybody. Walk with your integrity of heart. And go and serve the king and his purpose. And there's a reason why it's not working for people. And I want to share that this morning because it's going to really help you set your heart straight for the kingdom of God. Kingdom business is serious business. It's not a, you know, this is not religion. Religion, you can fake it until you make it. In the kingdom of God, God is serious with his kingdom agenda. And so when, if, when God raises up Brian and puts him you know, on the board of different places and sets him up to do different things, he then brings in a kingdom influence in that place 
and where we were being controlled and waiting for other people to make decisions, we now make the decisions. Someone's going to get happy. I'm telling you because when you're the boss, you understand what the golden rule is, right? You've got the gold rules. A heart for the king. When you come into the kingdom of God, the kingdom has everything that you need to live a life of victory. To become the leader that God has called you to be. To walk into your destiny. To owe no man a thank you. To walk with the favor of God. To know that when God has raised you up and set you up, no man can take you down. Because if man puts you up there, they can take you down. But promotion does not come from the east or from the west. It comes from the Lord. And so when you come into this kingdom, it is important to understand that the Bible says the kingdom doesn't only come in word. The kingdom comes with power. What does that mean? We have power here this morning that if we can pray for you, you need healing in your body, the, the power will fall on you and God will heal you. Because the kingdom culture is about this power. And we understand that. But there is little more than that. It also means that God's kingdom will move you into the corridors of power. So that you become the decision maker. If you are not in the room where the decisions are made, you're in the yard where the consequences are felt. <laughs> now you need to make up your mind where you're going to live. You've got to make up your mind that you want to become the person God called you to be so that you can make the decisions in the boardrooms. You understand why our nation's in trouble? Because while we were playing church, they were setting up political parties and controlling now the church. Because if we had godly people in authority, we wouldn't have people going to go and hide anywhere. So the devil assigns people in those mountains. For what? To control it. That's the world. This message must go into the world and into all the nations because every nation's got their own world. They all got their own governments. They all got their own economic systems. They've all got their own education systems. You are supposed to, in every nation, have somebody and a, a kingdom people to go into that place and make the decisions. How can you be looking for a job? I'm telling you what's happening. The fence has been shaken and people are falling off. What is God doing? He's kicking that little eaglet out of the nest and say, stop looking for a job. Stop looking for employment and find deployment. We're sending you because you were sent one. This is an apostolic house. This is an apostolic grace. You'll find Pastor Mel and Lutfi out in Dubai. They're working on education systems. Every son and every daughter in a position in one of those mountains, they are ruling, they're learning, they've been trained up how to rule on those mountains. But it's critical to understand that you are, there, you are born to influence something. You're born, this is what he gave Adam, to have dominion, to have rulership, not over people, but to be an influence in wherever you go. So you can say, no, 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 we've got somebody to actually go and run this. We've actually got somebody that can actually make this thing work for you. You remember when Moses was on the, on the river? 
and he said, look, we need somebody to take care of Moses when, when Pharaoh's daughter found him. He says, no, no. His sister was standing there. She says, no, no, I know of somebody who can take care of him. Decision made back to Moses' mother to feed him. You must be in the right place because God is assigning you to certain places. What for? Not for cars and cell phones. For influence. To bring the kingdom culture into that place. So when you get into the kingdom of God, here's where we need to go this morning. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. So he brings you out of one kingdom and it's controlling systems. Stop crying about that job. It's over. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Listen to the scripture. The kingdom that you walked into, he conveyed you into the kingdom of the son of his love. So the whole kingdom is operating out of love. The whole system is designed that when you come into the kingdom of God, love is the only way in, in way it works. So somebody, I, I put it all this thing, is like, you know, faith, because the Bible says faith works by love. That means if you've got no love present in your life, and you don't love God, you don't love his people, you've got no love in your heart, you can't function. God's got to keep you. He's got to keep you in the church. Because you don't love where he's sending you into those mountains. You need to have love in your heart. Because this kingdom has got everything that you need. The culture, your healing, your finances, your leadership, your influence, whatever you need, it's in the kingdom. But this kingdom does not work if you don't have love. So there's something connected to the heart of a man and the territory he occupies. Because the kingdom's all about territory. So when you don't get your heart right, you'll understand why people don't move anywhere in the kingdom. God's going to hold back. Why? Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is. The kingdom business is big business, family. I'm going to wait right there. I'm going to say it one more time. The kingdom business is big business. Why are we not seeing it? Because God can't trust the heart of a man. And anytime your heart is not for the kingdom of God, you can't be sent anywhere. You must go and find a job. Because you're not going to find it in the kingdom. The kingdom is so powerful. Scripture speaks about the kingdom being a mystery. I mean, now you can sit and understand the mysteries of the kingdom. But then there's something else that happens with this kingdom. It operates out of love. So one guy was, you know, speaking about this this morning, uh, this week, and saying, you know, faith works by love. So instead of just working on your prayer while you're praying, developing your love walk. So, you know, all the way from the United States, and he was like, listen, man, it's the engine and the transmission. So, you know, it's got to be this engine, and then the transmission is love, and that's how it works. I said, no, you got it wrong, my friend. The engine is your faith. But the fuel that makes it move is love. You're going to need love inside of you to move in this kingdom. And anytime your love dries out, you can't go anywhere with this kingdom. So here's an analogy. I give you a brand new Porsche out of the box 
paid in full, and I have it delivered to your house. And everybody or anybody said, <laughs> and then I make sure they deliver a nice big cow as well. Because the whole engine was made to run on warm, freshly squeezed milk. If you want to go anywhere with the Porsche, you're going to have to go and milk the cow first, put it in the fuel so it can move. This is the kingdom. God gives you this beautiful engine, this place where all of life works, all your healing, all your finances, all, your, all that you need for your destiny to become the leader, the man of influence, the woman of influence. And then he says to you, this thing is not going to run off your love. You're going to need the love of God to make this thing work. And for the majority of the people in the church, the reason why they give up on the kingdom because it's impossible to run the kingdom by yourself. Let me show you, I'm dealing with the heart of the king. Romans chapter 5, okay, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll come back to that point about that card. It will make more sense now. Let me read this. Go with me to the book of Ezekiel. Uh, oh, sorry, Samuel. First Samuel 15, verse 11. So the setup here is God assigns in fact, he didn't do it. God wanted to be Israel's king. They said, no, 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 we don't want you as our king. Give us a man. So God gives his, appoints the prophet Samuel. He says, now go and then give them, anoint this man. His name is Saul. And give him his assignment. Give him his mission. Give him his marching orders because that's how it works in the kingdom. Let him become then the influencer over this nation. Let him be the one that goes and obeys my instruction. And let him rule over the people. First assignment, he fails. When God told him to kill everything and to destroy it, he went and saved the, uh, King Agag and, and all the precious things and he pretended like he had fulfilled his assignment. Here's something I want you to see, the connection between territory and the heart of a man. And why God has got to work with you in your heart before he can send you out anywhere. This is really powerful to understand. I've never seen this in scripture before, but I want you to see this. I saw this last night. So God wakes up, God says to, to Samuel, he says, I've watched what this man's done with his assignment, and he's failed me. He wakes up Samuel, he says, Samuel, go and speak to this man. He says, I greatly regret that I set up Saul as king. It will not be so amongst you. God will not ever regret raising you up and sending you up onto the mountain to influence people. Listen to what he says. I greatly regret, regret that I set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me. When God brings you in his kingdom, the number one thing is for you to follow him, not to do your own thing. And anytime you've got your own heart with your own ways, God is going to hold you back. He's going to buckle you in. He's going to lock you away in a little room and make sure that you stay there. It's called a job. He has not performed my commandments and it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord that all night weeping because God takes all the time to raise up a man to raise up a woman to become a woman of substance and then he's expecting that heart of that person to fulfill the mandate because this is kingdom influence 
So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for who? You don't come into the kingdom for yourself. This is not about your brand. Did you hear? It's not pastors his ministry. It's women of substance. It's a platform for all women to come on so they can all be empowered. She's not building a name for herself. So this old Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself. You can find, it's so easy to, to find out that's a kingdom person and that's a church person. They, can't, they sold out on their brand. They only there to protect themselves. They, are, they don't care about anybody else. They don't have the heart of the king. Saul went up to come and for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Oh, there's so much to preach in there. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. Sunday morning. Oh, you blessed this morning. Like God doesn't know what you've done in the week. What the rubbish you posted. And stuff you lied to. Then Samuel went to Saul and said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? I mean, weren't you supposed to kill it all? And Saul said, They brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best. I should have bring the best to the Lord. No, you never followed the instruction. And we can't trust you. The best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. It's, listen, listen to his conversation. Are you listening to what he's saying? First of all, he's disobeyed. Then he's pretending like he's trying to keep the best for God. And listen to his words. He doesn't say our God. He says it's your God. He's got no relationship with God. He's got no heart for the king. And the rest... We have utterly destroyed. It sounds really, really good. Can we speak about the things you didn't do? Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. Like God doesn't speak to me at night and have dreams about people and things that are happening. God shows me things at night. I just wish people would walk past this thinking that everybody's ignorant. Like God doesn't speak and give dreams. This week was incredible. Clear dreams. Son, check that. Look at that. Look at that. This is what's happening. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, don't forget where you come from and who raised you up. Were you not head of the tribes of Israel and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Are you listening to me, kingdom people? I'm not speaking to preach, preaching to church people. I'm dealing with people that are serious about their assignment. People that want to come into the mountains of influence. Are you listening to the kingdom? Now the Lord sent you on a mission. I mean, hello. When we send you out when you're in with an apostolic grace, when you come out of an apostolic house and we send you, we send you on a mission. You are so quiet. You understand that this is what it's all about. You are raised in the house and God can eventually release you into the world on a mission. Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. 
Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone into the mission on which the Lord had sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and I utterly destroyed the Amalekites. That wasn't the instruction. You weren't supposed to bring back Agag. Agag became trouble for him in the end. Because when God sends you on a mission, you're not supposed to marry their people. You were supposed to bring in the culture of the kingdom in that place. Just type this out online, everybody. Partial obedience is disobedience. But the, Lord, the, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. I got no relationship. That's why people with titles, they'll frustrate you. You better have a relationship with the king and have a heart for the king on a mission. Otherwise, you're going to mess up the mission. Next verse. So Samuel said, has, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. For another day. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Your partial, your rebellion against God. Your stubbornness. You watch what's happening to people in the kingdom. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he's also rejected you from being king. That means we must draw you back from, the, from, from your assignment. You know, can no longer represent us as an ambassador in your field. Then Samuel, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Why? Please read with me. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. We can't send you when you fear people. Hmm. Next verse. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned around to go away. Saul seized the hedge of his robe and he tore. That is when the kingdom tore from him. And he could no longer represent the king. You see, this is not a church sermon. When you come to the kingdom of God, we're living under a command to obey. And anytime you don't know how to follow an instruction, even in the church, you get irritated with like offended with this one and skinnering about that one. What are you going to do on your assignment? If in the plane, okay. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. God's watching over his kingdom. He's watching to find out who's doing what in his kingdom so that he can move people on the board because he's got an, he's got an agenda. The whole earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So God's always looking for somebody. Either replace Judas or move this one out of the way. But here is the deal. Everything about the territory God's going to send you into is connected to the heart that you have for God. Let me prove it to you in scripture. 
I never saw this as well. This is really good. Let's just touch on fear. The fear that's controlling people. (laughs) You can't intimidate me, man. You can't threaten me. You can't manipulate me. Proverbs 29 verse 25. You never called me. Here's the problem. Anytime you have fear in your environment, you're lacking something called love. Let me give you scripture. Let's just touch on this. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts the Lord shall be safe. You're going to have to deal with fear on every level. Not just when Corona is in the atmosphere and in your home and you have, you have to deal with fear of everything. The fear of man becomes a snare. You're afraid of the people, then you lose the kingdom. Oh, just the, I, I feared the people and, and I wanted to just obey, I obeyed their voice. Well, then you can't go any further. Because you're on assignment. You are called an ambassador for Christ. You are not here to represent the people. You are here to represent God before the people. You are here to become an influencer. If God's going to give you your mandate and your inheritance, you must understand that this is about me obeying the command of the Lord. So where does God start? He doesn't start by giving you territory. He starts by fixing your heart. Let me give you scripture. Now go with me. To Ezekiel 36, 24. I never saw this. So in Ezekiel, he says, the, the prophet says, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and I will bring you into your own land. This is the gospel, the, the message of the kingdom. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. Why must God do that? My God. I will give you what? A new heart. So I don't just bring you into the kingdom of God. I've got to give you a new heart to function out of. And put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Oh my God. Why? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Why did Saul fear people? He never had the spirit of God inside of him to actually obey God. When you get born again, you are, you are in the New Testament and you're in new, the, 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 in a new covenant believer. So when you get born again, before God can give you territory, He's got to change your heart. He's got to sprinkle clean. He's got to get rid of the idols in your heart. He's got to get rid of the fear of man because the fear of man is a snare. And you shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. Where's God moving? God's moving in the heart of the man, but listen to what God's intention is. And I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. Go back to one verse. Just go back one. And then go back another one. I think it's verse 29. 28 is good. Go back one. Verse 27. Go back one verse. I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. So he says, I'm now going to fix your heart. 
then, come on, read with me. Heart first, then, then you shall dwell in the land. I'm going to give you your inheritance. You're going to possess what I have for you. I'm going to increase you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to make sure that everything happens around you. But it does not start with you getting blessed. It starts with you getting a new heart. Why? Because the heart of a man Let me say this to you, man. The kingdom is so huge. And there's so much going on in the kingdom. Let me tell you, for where we're going, we're going to at least need to employ about 15 to 20 people next year. There's so much going on. We need people in here. Now let me tell you the urgency of it. We're doing this because we need to have people coming on the system. But we are feverishly writing and preparing the kingdom culture, you have to come on a three-month culture training before you can come into the organization. Why? Because you're going to mess it up when you come in here. That's what I'm working on. So that you can understand the culture of the kingdom before you step your, put your foot on here. Because people think they can use the outside skill, just their skill to come in here and mess up. And work in, it doesn't work. Because everything in the kingdom flows from the heart of a man. Please hear me. So God, before he can send you into kingdom territory, on kingdom assignment, he's got to fix what's going on in your heart. Why? Because there's so much going on. And money is an amplifier. If you are hateful now, don't ask for increase. Because your hate in your heart's going to increase. If you are unforgiving now, don't ask for increase because unforgiveness is going to multiply in your life. If you are rude now, don't ask for increase because money is an amplifier. It's going to amplify your rudeness. If you are spiteful now, don't ask for increase because your spite is going to multiply when God blesses you. If you are cruel now, don't ask for increase because your cruel Self is going to multiply when God blesses you. If you are vengeful now, don't ask for increase because that's going to multiply when God blesses you. If you are a liar now, don't ask for increase because your lies will increase. If you are selfish now, don't ask for increase. You're going to be more selfish when God blesses you. If you don't like to work with people now, don't ask for business because this is kingdom business and it's all about people. And if your heart is messed up, don't let's add money to you. Because money is an amplifier. And money, I, I thought if you give people more money and you just, you know, uh, be kind and they're treating you terrible and you just want to be nice and, you know, and just, you know, give them more money. Money does not clean a heart. You don't clean a, a filthy heart with money. That heart needs repentance. <sighs> let, me, let me show you something. So God goes and God changes his mind. Pulls Saul out. He says something. In Acts chapter 13, verse 17. And now he has to elect a man. 
this boy has been taking care of the sheep. He's, he's writing psalms. He's singing songs. And he's working with God. He wasn't looking for a title. He wasn't even looking for Goliath. He wasn't even looking for the anointing. But God looked on the heart of the man. Then God, the God of this people of Israel, they're telling the story about how God delivered God's people in the book of Acts chapter 13. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. So he delivered them out of bondage. Next verse. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. That means church people. Wilderness means church people. It's the only place that God gave them the blueprint for the church of how God will meet them with them every single year. Three feasts. Wilderness people are church people. I'm going to say it one more time. Wilderness people are church people. Because they believe going to church every Sunday, singing some songs and doing some ushering is going to get the job done. Church people and kingdom people are two different kinds of people. Because kingdom people are leaders. They go into territory and they occupy. So God got frustrated with the church in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. So God says then, well, I'll take Joshua and Caleb who's of a different spirit and let the rest of the two million die, but you bring in the young ones with you and let's go into the promised land. And I'll give you your inheritance because that's kingdom. Wilderness is church. Promised land is kingdom. You were not supposed to stay in the wilderness forever. It's a season of preparation for you to go in. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up. This is such a powerful statement. When you come to the kingdom, God raises you up. You don't decide, that's my territory. I'm taking my mountain. You will not. God will has to raise you up. You can't claim no mountain. Give me my mountain. Give me. He was raised up for 80 years. You want to shout, give me my mountain. God's not able to command you to do anything. Can't give you instruction. This is kingdom business. Is this a tough word this morning? I thought some of you are not going to come back from last week's stuff session. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king. That is how you were made. You were made as king to have dominion, to have do rule over a domain. To whom also he gave testimony, he said, here's the testimony of God. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Will do what? will do all of my will. So now you're finding out the heart of the man is connected to his assignment because the assignment's got to do with the will of God. And anytime the man's heart is not in it, you know he's going to mess up in his assignment. So David in his sin lets us know that falling into sin cannot stop your assignment 
or cancel your mission. But Saul lets us know that a heart that fears man certainly will. You can never fulfill your assignment fearing man. So don't mess with me. My heart has been set for God. And it never came because I said so. Because until you begin to understand the mission you are on, before God can send you anywhere, He's going to wreck your heart. He's going to mess with it. The stuffest six months we've ever faced in our lives happened from January. You didn't figure that out. Our whole lives as a family. And yet Sunday morning I come and I preach to you with the joy of the Lord being my strength. What did God do? God has to wreck your heart and break it until you say, well, maybe this is a good time for us to go home. And when you are dead to you, God says, now I can use you. This is the problem with most leaders. Oh, the season I've been through, I almost died. That's your problem. You almost died. You should have. Because God can only use dead people. Is anybody with me today? They must drag you to the courts, Ronaldo. They must embarrass you. They must mess your reputation. They must kick you over. They must shame you publicly. They must deny you in public. They must call you rubbish. They must call you an idiot. They must call you like someone who never went to school. That's what they're calling me. You are a stupid fool. That's what they call me. My reputation is so messed up. And God says, now I can use you. Because you don't have my heart. God has got my heart. My only reputation I got left is in heaven. The problem with you is that you're trying to be nice with people. And you don't want to offend anybody. We can't send you. Because the fear of man is a snare. You're so consumed with what people are going to think and say. I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to say to this I don't care. The problem with most people is that they got so anxious because big churches and, you know, the churches must be full. And then I started with nobody. I preached to the chairs. And if I wanted an offering, I had to give it myself. Because there's nobody there. So today I give my offering to you, Lord. And then I get saved. Then I lay hands on myself and I fall over and I have to catch myself. You can't intimidate me with nothing. Nothing. I preached to empty chairs a long time ago. I've stopped impressing people a long time ago. I'm not here for you. I'm on assignment because God wrecked my heart many years ago. He messed with me already. He said that you will never be able to go back to the world. You will never find anybody to come and say, oh, you know, their reputation is so wonderful. He said, I wrecked it. Until you become like a Paul. He says, all my degrees, all my, I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I was the best of the best. And then he said, I count it as rubbish that I may know him. The problem with most people is that God can't use you and send you to the kingdom. Because you're still trying to carry favor with man. Now you want to know why they'll drag you to courts first, Ronaldo. And mess your name. 
Some of you are just too scared. I just, I want to fulfill the call, but I just don't want to get blacklisted. <laughs> Stay in that comfort, honey. Stay right there. You want to look really good in front of the world. Keep going. This is a tough one. Pastor Michelle speaking about Peter this morning. Messed up so badly. Knew that his assignment is over. He said, I better go back fishing. It's found in John 21, 15. You better make up your mind and find out which side you're on. Eh? I am telling you. Decisions are here. You're in the valley of decision for many people. You must decide which side your heart goes. And even if you've gone and done whatever you wanted to do, just, it's a good time to close the gap. Close the gap. It's a good season. Because my credibility and my testimony and my banking on is a document that's 6,000 years old. And I'm trusting this more than I trust you with your week-long. Anyway. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, this is after his denial and the resurrection. Son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know when you're so strong. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do this for the Lord. Until they say, line up right here. Let's. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He did not say, do you love them? I'm going to preach this side. <laughs> he didn't say, do you love them? He asked, do you love me? Now feed them. Because I'm not for sale. You can't buy me. You can't buy my gift. You can't pay me enough to do what I do here. Because this never came because you came. I'm free to love you, man. I'm free to serve you. Even when you speak vile things about me, go with other groups. It's happened for years on different levels. To test whether I still want to be with those people and see what they're saying about me. It's gone. You know, someone came to T.D. Jakes and said, look, man, the guy messed up and backstabbed T.D. Jakes and came and he said, I just want to say I want to apologize. I found, came, I found the error of my ways and I'll make right with you. The time that I said those things about you and I, I stabbed you in the back. He said, don't worry about that. The first cut hurts the deepest. The, this is not the first time this has happened. So for you, like, because you're going to a place of where you belong to God and you're on assignment for God. And man can't control you anymore. Whether they give, people are fickle, man. Today it's, you know, you know what Palm Sunday was about. One week it was hallelujah, hallelujah, hosanna, hosanna. The next week it was crucify, crucify. Because people are fickle. I'm just freeing you today to do what God called you to do. Without the pressure of man trying to coerce you. Because you are on assignment and the will of God is your number one priority. Otherwise you're not ready for this kingdom message. Because this message must be, must be preached. And God is raising up people 
and he's setting things up because I asked the Lord, why is the financial breakthrough only coming now? He said, because finally you got the message right. You're looking for the money. God's saying, get the message. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Not do you love them. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Fulfill the assignment I gave you. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And then he says to him, now listen to me, Peter, for where you are right now, your love for me. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, this is baby Christians, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when I bring you on assignment, son, when we bring you into the will of God, son, when we get you to be fulfilling your assignment as an ambassador, and we bless you and take care of your need, and all these things are added. But when you are old, when you grow up, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you did not wish. That means I can now take you into places that you would say, this is the will of God. I minister where I need to minister because this is the will of God. God's guiding me into different places. Immatured people don't, they just want it their way. So, let me end. When you come into the kingdom of God, the number one thing is to understand that Dr. Winston says, I'm satisfied that God can never mismanage my life. I come to trust the Lord. I really wanted to fulfill the will of God for my life. I knew that from a baby, as a baby, as a young man, that God had a call upon my life. My father would tell me it all the time. And I went into the world and I did my own thing and became my systems analyst and got my money and went where as a young man I wanted to go. And then finally I gave my heart to the Lord and the Lord gave word to uh, some of our friends and said, the Lord says he wants you in Bible school next year. So I'm like, what? So I go to Bible college that year. And while we entered the first year of Bible college, Pastor Z is still the same. She has to leave a job. We're at home. We just purchased a new house. If you can ever remember the time when the interest rate went up to 25%, remember that? We just purchased the house then. So all hell broke loose. And then they just stole my new car. And I'm at Bible school, and when I have to go come home at night, at 9 o'clock at night, I got a car that prays in tongues. And it's got holy smoke coming out of it. But I'm in the will of God, and I'm wanting to do what God told me to do. On the second year, I'll never forget it. When you don't have money, nobody invites you. I preach here to the true Christians. They don't like you. They don't want to know you when you don't have money, right? And the ones that really care about you, you almost go say, uh, no thanks, man, today we're really, we're really busy. It's because you can't afford a gift, and you don't even have proper shoes. So you can't go. So I'm like, the Lord's got me, we're good. I'm at home on a Saturday afternoon, and it's 2 o'clock, I'm doing my assignments, and I'm worshiping in between. And as I start worshiping, 
I'll never forget it, man. The presence of God came into the room. Not the presence is here, no. To a place where I have to fall on my face. And I can't see anything. But this figure is in my room. And it's so large. But what was, so what I saw in the spirit was one thing. What I felt in the natural was something completely different. I have never felt that kind of love. Ever. It was so pure. It was so intense. I laid there. I can't tell you how long, an hour or more. I just wept like a baby. And I worshipped King Jesus. And I stayed on my feet and I said, God, I just laid there. I said, please don't leave. Pastor Z heard me weeping. She just left because she knew that God was busy with something. I didn't know how long it was. When I got up and I went into the room and I said, she said, what happened to you? I said he was in the room. I had a visitation. I had an encounter with God. And I'm asking the Lord today to take me home. She says, please don't pray that prayer. Please don't. Can the Lord just keep you? I said, I'm telling you the kind of love that I felt. You don't want to be in this world. I want to be gone. That is the day that Jesus wrecked my heart for him. He broke my heart over everything that I longed for in this world. I have no desire for it. That was the day that I had an encounter. And he said to me, now will you follow me? Will you go and do what I ask you to do? I said, whatever you want me to do. If I can ever have just another encounter like that, just a glimpse of it in the future, I will do it. If you say start the church here and put it in a tent, I will do it. Why? I'm hoping that one day I can have another encounter like that. And if I never get it in this earth, I know what heaven tastes like. Because he wrecks your heart before he sends you on assignment. So you can have a heart for the king. Otherwise you'll manipulate people. You'll control people. You'll try to use all kinds of gimmicks. As a businessman, you would never have to bribe anybody. As a woman, you wouldn't need to sleep with anybody. When you have an encounter with the love of God and your life changes, you never ever have to be concerned about people's manipulation, what they say about you. It died then. Way before he called me to start the church. I went to Bible college, 98 and 99. More than 20 years ago, that encounter. I'm still hoping one day when we run a worship service or something, I'm going to have another, I'm going to meet with him again. But I can, I can tell you for certain, if it's not here, in heaven, everything. I wanted it then. I don't know who you're living for. And I don't know what you're involved in. But I am telling you, this is all temporary. Some of you think you're going to live forever. Listen, man. Nobody leaves this planet alive. Nobody. Vaccinated or not. Stop trying to be so caught up and hung up on what you put your reliance and dependence upon. Just forget this ignorance. It's stupidity. So they didn't. So they did. Does it matter? 
Like you get a special train out here. Alive. Let Christ become your all in all. If not even for eternity, if you don't fulfill your assignment in the earth and go into kingdom territory, for eternity you need to know that. Why are you fighting people? Why are you trying to shame people? Whether they did or didn't, does it matter? People are going to do what they want to do anyway. Yours is to hold Christ in your heart. Let me, let me end with this. God's going to help us. Listen to what Spurgeon says. For us to hate those who are in error, or talk of them with contempt, or wish them ill, or do them wrong, is not according to the Spirit of Christ. You cannot cast out Satan by Satan, nor correct error by violence, nor overcome hate by hate. The conquering weapon of the Christian is love. You're going to clap better than that this morning. You're going to have to clap really better than that this morning. This is a love thing. I'm on a love journey. You're going to clap your hands. Bring the worship team. This is a love thing. This is a love thing. We came here because of God's love for us. We love Him because He first loved us. Is anybody online going to hear me today? You are not here for your own assignment. You are not your, in your own ability. In fact, Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Please put that up quickly for me. We're standing. I'm done. Get the team up. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Here's your engine. It's called the kingdom of God. God supplies the fuel. Read with me. Now hope does not disappoint. Because what? The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He gives you His kingdom. He gives you the engine. He gives you the ability to produce. And He, gives, and he supplies the fuel for you. It's called love. Because this is powered by love. When love is in your heart, you'll find kingdom working. So the Holy Spirit's got to come. I'm not talking about your, 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 your eros love, which has got to do with, you know, a sexual intimacy. I'm not even speaking about phileo love. I'm not even speaking about um, 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 stoge love. I'm speaking about agape love. What's agape love? This is an unconditional love that sees beyond the outer surface and accepts the recipient for whom or who she is. Regardless of their flaws, shortcomings or faults, it's the type of love that everyone strives to have for their fellow human beings. Did you get the jab? I pray for your well-being. Did you not get it? I pray for your well-being. How difficult is this? You made that choice, you didn't make that choice. Where's the fight? Because love covers a multitude of sin. I mean, whatever it is, people walking in ignorance, love does it. Not even, no, no, I'm praying for you because you're born again. No. I got Muslim family. I got, Jesus didn't die for the church. Love died for the whole world. The whole world. Agape. It's the type of love that everyone strives to have for their fellow human beings. Buddhist, Atheist, 
black, white, colored, what does it not matter? It's the agape love, the, the love of God is the agape kind of love. That no matter what someone has done, I love you, man. You know, God doesn't love everybody. I mean, God, God loves everybody. I mean, believe that? Let me say it again. Please, here's a correction. God loves everybody. God doesn't like everybody. I love everybody. Some people I just keep over there. You must rearrange your life properly. There are some people that deserve a front row seat of your life and others a balcony. You must decide how people treat you. You must put them in their rightful place because you don't get this anointing. It's not for sale. Been on a road too long with God around this thing just to give it away and believe that everybody's for you. Agape. Although you may not like someone, you decide to love them just as a human being and how much this world needs it. This kind of love is all about sacrifice as well as giving and expecting nothing in return. Agape is a doing word. It's a verb. It's the love demonstrated by our behavior towards one another person. It's a committed and a chosen love. You come into the kingdom of God. Stop treating people like they're less than you. I'm not less than you because I haven't gotten into the queue yet. And you might have information I don't have. But still, I'm still a human being. So are you. So we need to come back to the place of respect for one another. Respect. And it comes because we love one another. John 13, 34. John 13, 34. A new commandment, come and read with me. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. As I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this. Did you see how the world is looking at the church? By this all will know. That you are my disciples. If, if they're looking at the world and at the church and saying, well, maybe if not, not Christ. If you have love one for another, let's stop this wickedness. And I've been praying that God will help us, that nobody falls by the wayside. That God's going to help us to love one another. Because this kingdom, hear me today, child of God, hear me clearly, please. You don't want to repent on a sick bed because now you're looking for power to move the kingdom for, to deal with the sickness. You don't want to wait until your life is over and at the end, now God, I need prayer. Yeah, but you need to forgive that person, forgive that person, set things right because you never operate in the kingdom and you never function in love. You want to do it today. If you're not going to fulfill your assignment, at least for your prayer, because faith only works by love. What are you going to do if you've got no love in your heart? How are you going to expect the kingdom to function? 
You want your prayers answered. You want direction. You need to have the wisdom of God. But you're walking in unforgiveness. How can you say you love God who you've not seen? Hate your brother who you have seen. How can you say that? This whole kingdom operates by love. You can't get anything from God until you do it by faith, with the seed, and in love. Those three things. Can we go? Worship the Lord. Just lift up your hands one more time. selfishness, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, contention, strife. Father, we don't want any of this in our lives. The Bible says where there's unity, there's the commanded blessing, even life forevermore. Father, we are your church. We're asking that you pour out your love upon us one more time. I pray that you help us this morning, that we can fulfill our assignment, that we can experience the power of your love, that we can experience the glory of your kingdom, that we can stand in authority and walk fulfilling our destiny and our purpose. Come and change our hearts this morning. Come on, pray. Pray this morning that God will change your heart. Pray this morning and ask God to touch you. Ask God to heal you and forgive you. Say, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Let me walk in forgiveness. Let me hold back. Let me close my mouth. Help me to shut my mouth. Help me to walk in love. Let me ask you to fill me with your love. My, my, my engine is running with the love of God. Fill me, Lord. Fill me. The Bible says in Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled this morning with a fresh touch. Be healed this morning from every fear. For perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. You are walking in the love of God. Let love be perfected in us. Let the love of God touch and heal. Let the love of God heal and deliver and set you free. This morning in the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. 1 John 4, 17. Keep standing, we're done. 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. The day of judgment is coming. You cannot be afraid of eternity. How do you fix that? You fix the love of God in your heart. Love has been perfected amongst us. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is perfect love. So are we in this world. There, please put up the scripture if you can. There is no fear in love. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Saul has to fear the people because he's got no love of God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. As he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. So anytime I find myself in the middle of the night, the other night, like fear just entered the room. I say that can't be God. 
because perfect love casts it out so I get up and I pray because you've not been given a spirit to fear but a power love and a sound mind so you can't be afraid of anything so I get up and I'm saying, no, 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 no. That spirit doesn't belong here. I take authority over you. And then I begin to pray. Father, I thank you that you love me. Come on, child of God, hear me. I, I thank you that you love me. You love my family. You love my home. You love my destiny. You love my, you are, I'm healed by your stripes. Because love did it. Love did it. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Who's tormenting you today? I mean, some people are so good with thinking, you know, this thing and so the fear should have gone right why are you afraid why are you afraid if you believe in it then it's you're good because fear involves torment child of God but he who fears has not been made perfect enough so we can't send you so because you don't have the love of God in your heart because you're gonna fear man on your assignment why do we do what we do come on read with me we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Clap your hands like you believe you're awake this morning. Come on, we love him because he first loved us. We're stepping out in boldness. We're stepping out with no fear. The fear of man is a snare. You need to get up this morning and begin to believe the Lord this morning that you are the righteousness of God. God loves me. God's okay with me. Everything's going to be all right. I need someone to begin to shout and give God some praise. You're not born again? You must be born again. The perfect love comes from Jesus. I had an encounter with love and that's why I do what I do. You need to have that same encounter. You must be born again. Otherwise, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Every head bowed and eye closed, please. If you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today's the day of salvation. This is how simple it is. You say, if that's for anybody this morning, just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe you died on the cross for a sinner like me. Today I receive you. I invite you into my heart. Give me a brand new start. Turn this heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Let me live for you. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your peace. And give me a brand new start. If you really mean that this morning, you are born again. Are you hearing me? You are born again. If you pray that from the bottom of your heart, you are born again. You are a child of a living God. You are washed in His blood. And there is nothing to fear. Because perfect love casts out fear. Now from today, God can work in your heart. Here, and you can have a heart for the King. And the King can send you on your assignment. And He knows you're not going to fail. Because love is going to govern this thing. Love's going to govern your life. You will fear no man. Because love called you. And when love called you, it settles all other issues. Year and eternity. So break from that fear because his love is perfect. And that perfected love casts out every fear. God's going to guide us. He's going to lead us. And we're going to build something great for the kingdom of God. Watch what God does in this season. Not because of us. Because love's going to do it. For a minute you may be seated. Let's receive an offering. Hebrews 6 and 10. Hebrews 6 and 10. Hebrews 6 and 10. For God, read with me. For God 
it's not unjust to forget what your work that's the 11th hour laborer when you're coming into your assignment and you want to do the will of God and you get the wisdom of God and you're operating out of the word of God you then come into not a job you come into your work and your work is not what they pay you to do your work is what you were born to do for God is not unjust to forget your work and what labor of love <laughs> this is the labor of love family not for you I feed you I love you this is a labor of love my reward comes from above you can't pay me enough for what I do and when I come and minister to you it's for free people ask me can, can, how much can I pay you to do a funeral and a wedding I say I don't do that and if you counsel me I say I don't do it he says the one guy says, do you know how much money you can make I say never came here for money I'm too valuable you can't put a price tag on me you can't my value doesn't come from you my value comes from above my security my self-worth and my significance comes from God now that person is on assignment and you can't stop it so quit sending me stuff just quit it stop it let's walk in love made a decision you made a decision let's walk in love because better the end of the thing than the beginning of the thing this is only the beginning of the thing we don't know what the end looks like so let's just chill can we say it in the kingdom tell your neighbor just chill yeah for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister God's not unjust to forget the work that you do for the kingdom of God because it is unto him and when I don't, when I find somebody that I don't like, I say, Father, fill me with your love again. Stay in the love of God. Work with the Holy Ghost. And God will keep you, preserve you, and protect you. Your protection does not come from this earth. It comes from above. And the Lord bless you and keep you. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.